Welcome back to another episode of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you by the Mythgard Institute and the Tolkien Professor and Middle Earth Network Radio. Uh, welcome again to our uh, to the people that are listening live in the uh, Netmoot interface who, who who get to hear this intro all over again. Um, we had a little little technical flub, which is due to our being out of practice, and also the the, you know, the new interface and all that kind of stuff. I have I have so many excuses that I can fall back to. Um, That's good. That's good. We we apologize for the long delay. Corey was on um, some fascinating Tolkien related travels, which we will, he will share again in a second. Uh, and then we had the holiday, so let's get right to it. Uh, I'm your co-host Dave Kale, and I'd like to introduce my partner in crime. Corey Olson, the Tolkien professor. So about okay. that trip. Yeah, so as I was just explaining to like the people who were not able to listen, um, I was traveling with my family in England and briefly in Wales for the last couple weeks, and I was in Oxford not too long ago and did get to do a little bit of Tolkien tourism. Um, and, uh, you know, took my, we had, it was uh, my wife and my two kids. I have a nine-year-old son and a four-year-old son. And uh, the nine-year-old son at least understood what the heck I was doing. That is, you know, when I told him, we're going to see Tolkien's house, he at least knew who that was because we've read The Hobbit together. Um, but uh, my four-year-old, of course, was just deeply puzzled by, you know, our driving around Oxford, pulling up at this strange house. Daddy gets out of the car and takes some pictures, and then we drive away. And he's back there like, everybody's gone crazy. Like, where's the playground? I don't understand. But anyway, as I say, they were very patient. Um, uh, we did get to see uh, Tolkien and Edith, and Edith's grave at the Wolvercote Cemetery. We did get to see their house. Um, 20 Northmore Road is the house that the Tolkien family lived in for a long time, and there's a little blue plaque on it that shows like J.R.R. Tolkien lived here while he wrote The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and it's a private residence you can't go in but you can sort of see the place and um see the proximity to the campus and uh, the Burden Baby pub right on the way uh, in between his home and his college. Um, and uh, uh, anyway, so it was kind of funny when I was there, though, because I, I got to be a little, like, extra creepy. Like, instead of just getting out of the car to take pictures of the of the private residence that has the historical plaque on the side of it. Um, I also like sneaked over and was taking pictures through the bushes at the house next door because of course actually the house next door um, was the one that the Tolkien family lived in before they moved into that house. They just moved next door uh, you know, when their family got larger. Um, and uh, there's actually good evidence to show uh, that uh, John D. Ratliff has brought forward in the history of The Hobbit to show that he actually wrote a good deal of The Hobbit in that other house, um, which doesn't have any marker. So, like, there was no other excuse for me, or no outward excuse for me to be taking pictures through the bushes. But uh, but anyway, it was fun. It was fun. I did get to go to the Burton Baby. We did not eat there. It was extremely crowded, and my family was impatient and didn't want to wait with me for, you know, the Inklings room to, uh, to open up. Um, and again, I think I got to, like, creep out some other people who had no idea what was going on as I was there. Like, they were sitting there at tables trying to eat lunch and minding their own business, and I was, like, taking pictures of the room, and you were hovering <laughs> you know, over the pictures their table. on the wall behind them. And Yeah, yeah. The, one thing that I would definitely <laughs> recommend is if you're going to do this kind of, like, Tolkien tourism in Oxford, it's more fun with a group of Tolkien fans, because when you're, like, a solitary Tolkien fan doing these things, you get a lot of strange looks from people. <laughs> um... <laughs> So uh, that was definitely my experience uh, in the Eagle and Child. Um, but anyway, uh, it was uh, it was it was certainly a fun time being over there, and I was sorry to uh, have to delay our broadcast by a week. But now we're back, and I ready think to go. it was worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, and I've been looking forward to talk about the 
talk about the riddle game, uh, which is what we shall get to right. uh, eventually here today. And some of the some of the news caught up to us too. There's some pretty pretty awesome stuff going on uh, <clears throat> in the news. Um, for one thing, I don't know if you saw Peter Jackson posted on his Facebook page. They have officially wrapped up principal photography. I did. It's a big deal. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of bittersweet actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the things in the bag at this point. I mean, of course, you know, there's obviously a lot of more work to do, but uh um but but yeah, the shooting is done. So sort of uh you know, there there's a kind of um uh sort of an interesting closure to that in thinking about it from our perspective, that is from the speculation perspective because uh you know, they're unlikely to make too very many. Of course, there's still the question of what's going to be cut and what's not going to be cut. So of course, you know, that's always something that we're thinking about, but um uh, but anyway, I think that it's uh, it's definitely um, you know it, it's kind of interesting to think of these things as kind of in in one sense anyway already solidified and in existence and uh, and and just kind of waiting now. So it's it's uh, it's it's kind of cool. Yep, yep. Um, the other thing is I don't know if you saw the photos or the cover uh, of the latest issue of Entertainment Weekly, but that was kind of fun. Yes, um, particularly yes, I, the, I, I I don't know about you, but the the two things that jumped out to me, um, one the first photo of Bilbo uh, in Merkwood. Yeah. Hey, can we let's 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 kind of go interactive with this because it's actually kind of I think it would be kind of worth just sort of uh, paging through these quickly can you because show these them? are some interesting pictures. Um, I could, yeah. Let's do we it. We have the technology. All right. So um, here we go. Hang on a second. Give me a second here. I can show them to our live audience, and we can post the link to these. Okay. Boom, boom. Here I come. And all right, I am going to share my screen now with our live participants so that you can see that. Okay. So here are the Entertainment Weekly photos. Um, and uh, this first one that I have up now, I, I don't have the questions box up because it'll. Actually, I guess I can put it up. It won't block the screen too much for me. Um, but uh, uh, okay, yeah, I can manage that. All right, awesome. Um, so this first one is, uh, as you say, this is clearly Bilbo uh, post getting wrapped up by. He's covered in spider webs, and um, we see him holding Sting there in his hand. Um, and this is uh, this is definitely sort of an interesting an interesting interesting to see what Bilbo is going to be physically looking like, you know, sort of all bedraggled and covered with spiders' webs. Um, he's certainly a lot kind of grungier than I had pictured him, though of course that certainly is very realistic. Um, he will have dude. He, he just got done killing a bunch of spiders. I know. Well, I don't know if he's done or if he's just starting. I mean, yeah. my guess in this picture is that what he's looking at is like the spider colony. Yes. Um, but he's already fought you know, a few, is, it looks like. Right, right. This is him like having beat off the initial spider, or maybe they're going to have more than one initially attacking him, and he's just like followed it back or, or whatever, and he's, uh, and he's turning and now seeing them. Um, uh, yes. Now, as Carl points out, he is wearing his waistcoat, but I think... Carl, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that a button that we can see? Does he have a button on his waistcoat? He has a button. So, I think oh, Father. Man, Father, maybe. I was just talking about this photo with Father Roderick earlier today, and he's he he was he zoomed he zeroed in on those <laughs> buttons. He's like he still got his buttons. <laughs> well, I only see one. Maybe the rest of them have popped because it didn't say every single one of his buttons, does it? Yes. Um, 
but anyway, yeah, no, there's a button that still that's still an issue. Um, but uh, okay, yeah, I mean, I I agree, Katie. I only see one button there, so maybe let's uh, let's hope that they've uh, they've just left him with the one. And because uh, I do, I do, I if we don't see any 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 uh, you know brass buttons bouncing on the doorstep, I'm I'm gonna be a little disappointed. I have to admit, like uh, you know, that's uh, that's kind of a big deal. So. Um, and I don't understand this dorky jacket that Bilbo's wearing. I mean, I, I, I guess, guess it's kind of cool, but um, but I have to say, that's it's one of the costume choices about Bilbo that I've never fully understood. Because he should be wearing a cloak, but like a traveling cloak, the dwarf cloak. Um, I don't know what happened to that. Like, does he never bolo, bo, bother, bleh, borrow Dwalin's cloak and hood? Like, does that not happen in the film? I think he has um, one on, well, actually... Uh, and one of the nope, he doesn't. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I need to go back and look but at the I, trailer. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember the trailer. Well, anyway, um, so so this is that's this is definitely kind of a cool moment. Were, were there other things you wanted to say about this picture, Dave? Nope. I just I I thought that was, it was an exciting picture. I saw that and was like, oh, look at that. Yeah. Action hero Bilbo. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Exactly. Action, action hero Bilbo still in his frumpy coat. Um, yes. And then of course the next picture is like sort of the standard Gandalf picture, yeah. and that um, you know that there's nothing too shocking here. I mean, nope. we see um, we see Hobbiton looking much like Hobbiton was. You know, they seem to have recreated that pretty well. Gandalf looking just like Gandalf. So, uh, and that's a cool picture, but uh, but nothing really. Shocking going on there. The next one is the dwarves here. So we've got in the, the mines uh, of Moria, apparently, uh, or something. Um, this no, I was being be sarcastic. In, in the goblin cage. Right? I just I was like, I just when I saw this, I was like, wow, it looks like the mines of Moria. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, caves under the same mountain. Yeah, that's know, right. Yeah. Uh, so um, I was thinking uh, they could be. The lighting's a little weird for being outdoors, but they could be walking along the cliffs in the Misty Mountains, or perhaps they've just entered the uh, the cave where they get kidnapped. Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's that that is possible. It seems a little tunnelish for that, but I don't know. Um, perhaps they're looking. I mean, one of them still has, or three of them still have their hoods up, so that does suggest they they've just been outside in the rain. Yeah, um, yeah as Trish is just pointing out. Uh, though Katie says they're not wet. Though I don't know uh, um, which one is it. Oh yeah, of course. That's that's like Kiwi, you know, Captain Hotness, and the uh, with the with the uh, you know interracial affair going on um, uh, there. Who's looking, he? He looks a little bit like. He could have just come in out of the rain. Yeah, uh, but the others are looking are looking pretty. The other uh, thing to keep keep in mind is these may all just be posed publicity photos yeah. and not actual. Yeah, they might not actually be p- part of the. Part How do you like the the, I mean, the yeah, coloring of yeah. the cloaks? Well, I know it's not okay. the garish pastels that you expect from the descriptions exactly. in the books, but the lack of garishness is what I was just going to complain about. I mean, uh, you know, again, like that's. I think actually a really good example of a really small thing which works better in a book than in a visual medium. Yep. Um, you know, you can describe the yellow, blue, green, sky blue, you know, hoods and cloaks and everything that everybody's wearing. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it sounds fine and you can kind of picture it and it's fine. But to actually look at those like bright rainbow colors <laughs> for a whole film would be 
very difficult. Um, so, um, so it doesn't shock me that they're not going to be. Hey, I, I, Art covers. brings up a good point. I wonder how the colors will look at 48 frames per second in 3D. True. Yeah, in 3D, those colors might look totally different. The rainbow might come out. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, hey, look, I mean, Art, I, I just got to say, I'm sure, obviously, the primary answer to the question is it will all look better at 48 frames per second. I mean, like, that's established, right? So, uh, it all, so yeah, yeah. It all looked like a nice 3D um, uh, um, Latin American uh, daytime soap. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's not what we were all hoping for, I don't know what was. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the next photo here. We've got okay. Right, the next one is uh, sort of dubious-looking Elrond examining uh, a map. What I presume is Thor's map. Yeah, uh, and we've got. I guess that must be Thorin with Bilbo there. In yeah, the background. it looks like Thorin in the background. Yeah. Thorin looks like he's like cracking his knuckles in agitation. I don't know about that, but. Uh, um, and there's Gandalf looking, what, smug? I don't even know what Gandalf is looking there. I think but, um, I think Gandalf is disappointed at how much nicer uh, Elrond's garb is than his own. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah, I, I, it's actually that, that that's right. He does seem to be looking speculatively at uh, at Elrond's wardrobe <laughs> and with some kind of slightly envious admiration. I, I think that. <laughs> That totally works for me uh, as a characterization of this, but uh, but no, this <laughs> this is cool. Um, I, I do like um, I do like the uh, the kind of the lurking of of Bilbo in the background. Though again, you know, here it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder again, and just in thinking about as we've already begun thinking about and are going to be talking about more exactly how they're going to handle Bilbo's character, how. Um, how much are they going to make him? You know that moment in the trailer where he's like, "I am a, I am a Baggins of Bag End, right?" And I don't do this. Are they going to make him like that a lot? Is he going to be trying to hold himself aloof? We do get some glimpses of that in the book, like when you know he's glad that nobody would could mistake him for a dwarf as he has no beard. For mm-hmm. um, you know, we can see him sort of like not aggressively not wanting to fit in um, exactly, and uh, and all that. The way that he's kind of lurking back there, one of the things that's very noticeable that I think is, is very significant about Bilbo in this moment in the book um, when Elrond is reading the, the moon letters is Bilbo gets really excited. You know, I mean, he's still pretty incompetent as far as the adventure is concerned, um, but he really likes maps and really likes secret writing and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and all that. So he actually gets really into it uh, when, when Elrond points out the runes and finds the moon letters. And he's the one who comes up and says, what are moon letters? And so I would, I would kind of hope that uh, he'd be a little bit more, that we'd get to see a little bit of a glimpse of that kind of like eager tookishness about Bilbo in in these moments, but I don't know. It just it kind of I I don't want to read too much into these still images, which, as you say, they may well just be posed and not actually you know screenshots from the film at all. Um, but uh, but in any case, that's um, you know I I hope that he's not just like lurking around corners and totally disengaged from this scene when it happens. Right, he's not off staring at the broken narsil or... Right, right, exactly. Um, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks yeah, to me like. Yana, I agree. Oh, go ahead. Yana was just saying it kind of looks it looks almost sneaky, like Bilbo is just listening in, right? Like yes, um, it wasn't part of know, the discussion. That, right. Exactly. And uh, yeah, and I hope that that's uh, just kind of maybe a trick of this photo. I mean, I, the photo was I mean just taken as a photo by itself. It's cool to get you know you you get. Elrond in the foreground, and you've got Gandalf, and then you know those images of of Bilbo on the right side and Thor on the left side, or you know, and Thor looking kind of like dark and dangerous there, but with the light on his face. There's, I mean, there's lots of cool stuff about this picture, but uh, um, so again, I don't want to read too much about what this whole scene is undoubtedly to be like based on this one picture, but but by um, all means, let's read too much into it. Yeah, I, well, that's part of our job, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, yeah, one, thing's, out, one thing's for it, sure, uh, yeah, Elrond is uh, consistent with his character from the other films. Elrond looks like he disapproves. Yes, yes, exactly. He looks, I, I see, he looks kind of dubious. I mean, it looks like he's kind of doing the, like, one for, uh, one eyebrow raise kind of thing as he's looking at this, as he's looking at this thing. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I think we're going to get plenty of cranky Elrond uh, in this movie, too, which will be fun. Um, but anyway, as I was just going to say, Rich is pointing out that the, the scene also looks too bright to be at night. How will they see the moon letters? I, that, it's because, well... Okay, in the book, of course, it's a crescent moon, um, so there's no way there could possibly be that much moonlight. It looks like a full moon. Um, maybe if you're arguing, it's like a glaring full moon. There could be, though. Even that seems a little bright. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, that's. Uh, I, I wonder. Maybe they wonder. have magic elf windows that focus and magnify the light magically. Because that would be useful, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and as I say, I wonder. It will be interesting to see, Dave, if your um, if your guess is right, or if you're, you know, if, if if these are just posed pictures. That is, you know, if it comes because I could see that how they would want to introduce more, you know, light, which is kind of whitish. You know, it is kind of moonlight in shade anyway, mm-hmm. if not in brightness, um, and that they've kind of just composed this this picture as a still shot um, to be released for promotional purposes rather than having this actually be cut from the film. Um, that would, uh, <laughs> Katie says, but who knows how bright it will look in 3d. Um, right. Exactly. <laughs> Good um, point. And art does point out correctly. Movie moonlight is always insanely too bright. Yes, it's true. Cause I mean, of course they can't actually have it be as dim as it would be in real life. Yeah, I, I'm sure that they, they... the goblin caves will be also unnaturally bright and yes, Merkut yes. will Rather be unnaturally than, you know, bright. Right. Right. No, I mean, that's kind of an unnecessary thing. All right. Our next shot is Kate Blanchett. Let's just move on. There she is. Okay. Um, <laughs> though, I, though the one thing I will say is that at least we are getting the consistent Galadriel looking creepily at people out of the corner of her eyes motif. So yeah. it's good that we're, well, the, the one thing I noticed uh, while ta- going over these with Father Roderick this morning is um, <clears throat> it's interesting to note that in all, that she is at the forefront in terms of very few female characters in all the promotional materials they've been doing. She has been at the forefront. Like every mm-hmm. every barrage of photos they've released, the trailers, everything has had Galadriel in it, not Toriel. Right. 
which which is obvious obviously a, a strategy. This is the female yeah. character that people know from the Lord of the Rings films. So let's make so it's entirely possible that she's in like five seconds of the film, but she's going to be prominent in all the promotional material because this is right. the one female character that people will recognize who's in the film right now. I'm thinking right. between this film and the next film is where we're going to see a whole bunch of Toriel promotion once they've introduced that character. Exactly. No, I totally agree. Because if they were just to be leading with a bunch of shots of Toriel, you'd get a, some people saying, who the heck is this person? Some other, But of course, mostly, you'd get lots of talking people saying, what? Um, whereas if they can introduce her, you know, sort of more naturally within the film, they can mm-hmm. kind of, you know, break us into the idea more, uh, more humanely rather than just... Um, putting lots of shots of Evangeline yep. Lilly in front of us. Um, nope, that makes a lot of sense. So okay, let's go on to the next um, one. This is the best one. Yep, this is the big one, yeah. Um, this is, uh, this is I love it. Um, we th- we have uh, dwarves in barrels, which, and this, you know, I think is pretty much the final confirmation that we're definitely going to be post-barrel ride here. I mean, there's, I think seeing this leaves no further questions about whether or not the barrels oh, are going to be in film one. Do you think this is in Lake Town? No, no, no. No, no. No, no. I, I mean the the barrel ride out of you oh, know, the, okay, the, okay, the ride down to the lake. I didn't even consider that possibility. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think this is in It can't be in They're way too clean for this to be in Lake Town. Like, they've got to be, like, Bedraggled sopping and, and miserable. And, yeah. yeah. When they're, and, 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 and that's got to be on the beach. I mean, well, I mean, okay... I could imagine them having the ba- the barrels stacked up and the dwarves coming out of them that way. It's conceivable they could be just emerging here, but I don't think so. Um, some things about their body posture kind of suggests to me that they're not just emerging, like they're not being all. I mean, I, besides the fact that they're not wet and bedraggled, um, they're not. They don't seem to be like stiff and stretching. These look like people who and, just got into some barrels and they're trying right, to fit like themselves the, in and. Exactly, like whichever dwarf that is in the bottom left is clearly like still like crouching in so that you can close the top, I think. Yeah. Um, and the other ones are all talking to each other in this like, you know... Talking about what this an is insane kind of idea this is. Yeah, exactly, right. That's, that's how are those, I uh, looks at each other. There. Are those bottles of wine in the upper left-hand corner? Uh... Yeah, look like what, it. What what do the lake men ship to to um, the Elven King's domain? Do they are these barrels filled with wine, or are they filled with wine bottles? No, they couldn't. Bilbo couldn't use the barrels of wine because they don't open. Like they don't have lids. Yes. Um, they would just have taps. Um, so he puts them in tubs that had been used for things like apples and cheese oh, and butter and stuff okay. like that. Um, so I'm really hoping. Hoping we get like a barrel, uh, like a, a dwarf who comes out of a barrel of butter. That would be awesome, um, but I doubt it will. Oh, occur. that's right. Um, that's right. They don't. From use the, the wine look of barrels. this, these look like pretty clean barrels yeah. that are uh, that they're in. So, th- um, so the the presence of those wine bottles in the upper left hand corner would that seem to indicate that the lake men ship the ship the elves wine in, in barrels and then the elves bottle it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that. I mean, if those are bottles, which they do look like. Um, I mean, especially given that we're supposed to understand this as a storage cellar, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, I think um, I think that I mean I don't know I don't know if we're if we're not going to get one or or if again that's just kind of strategically placed 
wine bottles to uh, sort of, I mean, are, are, maybe they are going to try to do the like super extra potent wine that gets even elves who don't get drunk drunk. Uh, say maybe they're going to try that, you know, and they're, act, they're pointing and they want this picture out there with like the wine in the corner to sort of, you know, set up or suggest what's going to happen. That seems to me conceivable, but um, I still think that it's uh, pretty going to be very hard for them to do the elves getting drunk bit. But anyway, um, let's see. Uh, okay, a bunch of people were uh, were sort of were commenting on these. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with Carl that you know, that they're not going to show uh, they're not going to show Lake Town. I certainly can't think this is the arrival of them in Lake Town. Jeremy points out that one of them seems to be smiling. I, he might be grimacing. I'm not sure, but certainly he's looking very different than they would look if after like being inside is it those the, barrels. The dude in the the dude day. in the winter hat. Yeah, isn't that like Bifer or Boffer? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think yeah. he's like he looked to me. He looks. It looks to me like they're all looking to the left, their right at Bilbo and kind of incredulously yeah. saying, really, Bilbo, you want us to get in these barrels? Right, right. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I, Trish is wondering if it sort of looks like they might be outdoors. I don't think so. I think in the top right, what we can see there is like vaulted ceiling. Um, and I think that the yellowish color of the light, though again, far too bright and far too steady actually to be firelight, um, is like you know, movie firelight, just as the other seem to be movie moonlight. Um, um, yeah, I would say we're in the um, the dungeon wine cellar area. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the you know, the other thing, uh, Trish asks, why would the barrels be stacked like this uh, at the elves' place? Um, I, I think, you know, stacking the empty barrels like this actually would make some sense, especially if they were in a place where you're just ready to, like, roll the whole stack, which you could do with a, you know, with a lever on the on the far end and just start the whole bunch of them rolling down into the, um, down into the river. Um so it actually makes some sense and and would cover up the problem, which of course is raised in the film or in the book. That is that the elves who are rolling the <laughs> the door filled barrels in are like these barrels aren't empty. I, you could there there's something in these barrels. They are these they, they feel full, um, and they're overruled um, by their you know by their by their leader by the butler, but. Yeah, these, these have got to be like the, this is like the worst example of uh, of um, thoughtlessly obeying um, um, orders at work. <laughs> Send those barrels back. Uh, these barrels aren't empty. Just push them. All right, that's yeah, fine. You know, right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, uh, but so yeah, I mean, I, I I could easily see them stacking them up like this and then just sort of basically pushing them, and then that would actually do a little bit, I think, perhaps to conceal the uh, um, the uh, to conceal the weight of the barrels. Um, yes, I agree, Art. It is nice to see a lot of apparent dwarf grumbling and dratting going on. Um, there certainly seems to be some grumbling. Is that, isn't that Balin up at the top there? I remember he was actually one of the ones who was most perturbed about it, and he certainly looks grumpy up there. Um, yes, Brianna I think points out right. that she says she, she thinks this barrel uh, picture feels the most posed or staged of the whole bunch. Um, you know, I, I agree. Um, I, I certainly think that these might just be promo shots, but, um, yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, 
Yeah. Um, okay, now Trish has a daring prediction. Trish says she's going on record. She thinks this is Lake Town. Okay. Wrong. I think you're wrong. Yeah, I agree. Oh, and Robert says it's Boffer, not Bifer. I, I, I couldn't remember which one it was. The one no. who's got the funny hat. Um, we can keep them straight. Okay. They all look the same to me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> um, so, next yeah. photo. Okay, next photo. Gollum. All right. Nice. Gollum. Okay. But I got to tell you, this was actually the one that I was most interested in. Really? In in as as far as our own predictions were concerned, because I was looking at this and I was thinking about our predictions from last time, and I was like, okay, um, this gives me an answer, or rather, this eliminates for me almost absolutely an answer, unless they're being deliberately misleading in these promotional pictures, which is entirely possible, of course, trying to play on expectations and and therefore. Um, uh, increase shock and surprise in the film but like having a promotional picture of Gollum with big old adorable puppy dog eyes like this pretty much rules out the Gollum as much more monstrous and wicked option I think um, I, you know, as, as I was saying in the last episode I thought that that was possible that they might do a Gollum while still thoroughly dominated by the ring before his time of freedom though he hates it and longs for the ring had actually helped him to start recovering and to be able to fight against that ring dominated wicked part of himself I totally could have seen how that could have worked um, and how they might have tried to do that but this picture tells me no way man that's not happening I mean, if Gollum ever looks like this with that little, that little, you know, that little pouty bottom lip and those huge puppy dog eyes, no way, no way. He's not going to be like wicked, dominated by evil Gollum throughout this movie. Yeah, Father Roderick and I concur. We were like, this, this Gollum looks like he actually, he even sort of paradoxically looks a little healthier, a little more wholesome. Right. He looks a little right. more, a little like. Yeah, we. Yeah, which like on the one hand he would be less starved. I mean, he he, he he's like near a food source, so he would be probably a little bit less shriveled than he was during the um, during the 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 two towers. But I mean, certainly during the Return of the King. Um, but um, but but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's so yeah. I, I basically, I'm not sure that this. I would go so I would go all the way um, the, to the next logical step and say that this picture, you know, really proves to me that they're going to make him more sympathetic. But I, but I mean, but it's hard to imagine yeah. him being completely wicked and evil. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Also, here he absolutely. hasn't been put through the the um, uh, Sauron illegal enhanced interrogation techniques either. Right, right. Yes, this is pre-torture Gollum too. So, yep, that's true. Um, this is an interesting observation. Yana points out that his his uh, his pupils are quite big as well, which uh, and in the trilogy that indicated that. Uh, Kind Gollum, that you know, that the Smeagol side was was the one speaking. Um, I hadn't noticed that correlation, but I totally believe you. And uh, and so so yeah, I mean this this just says like the cute, adorable Smeagol all over. And uh, and again, it's possible that they 
simply um, are going to kind of, that they're using this picture like as you know in 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 a way almost like what you're saying with Galadriel like that you know people have certain expectations they're playing on the people who love the Lord of the Rings films and are wanting to show them pictures that say hey if you love the Lord of the Rings you will love this even more come and see this movie it's more of what you love um, so I can totally see them playing that card with the Gollum depiction here in in this one picture but again it's like if he ever looks like that in the films then he's not the wicked column. I mean, there's just that's like that's 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 proof. That so is, Bri- that is, that is Brianna does have a good point. The CGI technology has improved a lot in the last ten years. I, I think that's at least part of the reason that he looks a little more full and healthy and wholesome. Yeah. Like he just looks less like a computer graphic. So that's definitely part of it. Um, yep, no, that is a good point. So Jeremy said. Uh, that this could be Gollum trying to think up an answer to a riddle. Um, Father Roderick felt the same way. In fact, Father Roderick and I were like, we we're, we were saying, we think this is right right when Bilbo says, what have I got in my pocket? Hmm. He looks kind of confused, ta- even a little startled, possibly right, like, taken like, aback. Right upset. before that moment in the Two Towers when he says, what did you say? Yes. Um, yes, yes. Um, yeah... Yeah. Um, but see, the eyes say vulnerable, not angry. Well, maybe at first... Um, yeah. Maybe his first response is, uh, oh my God, how the heck am I going to answer this question? Right. So. Well, I'm, I don't think it could be that moment, though. Well, I mean, I might be wrong, but I wouldn't think it would be that moment because, you know, his reaction, his consistent reaction is not fair, not fair, um, not a fair question when Bilbo says that. Um, so I can't imagine it being then, but I could imagine it being like, if they're going to do, and of course now we're getting into, oh, gosh, we're about to accidentally digress into the topic of today's actual show that we were planning to talk about. Um, but there are those moments in the riddle game where Gollum has those kind of semi breakthrough moments where he remembers uh, his life before he became creeping and nasty um, and remembers things like sun on the daisies and uh, even the egg riddle. Um, So I sort of wonder if it might be one of those moments um, when he's, when, when we're like getting him remembering sort of, semi-happy memories. I don't know. But, I mean, it's certainly his posture suggests... I mean, this game. is him remembering back to... Yeah. yeah. More pleasant memories. Yeah. So... Yeah. Or, or talking to Bilbo about... And again, remember, that's another comment that Gandalf makes in The Fellowship of the Ring when he's talking about uh, Gollum and about the Riddle game. Yep. Saying that... Think of the, you know, the things... Says, the things they had in common, the the, the riddles exactly. that they knew. Where he says he thinks it was actually pleasant for Gollum um, to speak to somebody else again and to remember these things. Um, and uh, so I, I, I sort of, but again, his body posture says the riddle game all over. I mean, it's hard to imagine yeah. um, another circumstance where he's going to be kind of sitting there sort of as, as restfully as well, he is. I say we, I say we, intentionally launch into this week's topic from here. Hey, well, um, why not? Unless why you not? unless you really want to do the other three. But the other three pictures are kind of just, you know, just oh, posed Mars, characters. Oh, right, yeah. And look, there's Bilbo in his coat looking... The, the, the only question that I really have about those that I'm curious to hear your thoughts on are um, uh, Thorin's sword. 
Oh yeah. Um, I didn't notice in the previous pictures they'd released that this is like a one-bladed sword. Yes, so it's, it's, it's like a very, it's a very, tr very literal, um, physical manifestation of its name, Orcrus the Goblin Cleaver. It looks like a cleaver. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I'm sure that that's what influenced it. Um, you know, I'm sure that this is Orcrus and that um, they are. Um, yeah, that they're kind of playing on the name in that way. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that, that's kind of cool. Again, my, my, my only question here is, who knitted Gandalf a scarf? <laughs> well, and and um, Father Roderick's question about Gandalf was, was, how did they get his robes to do that? Is he, like, yeah, standing I, there in a... He almost looks... He, I, like, I'm almost tempted to say that this is actually a statuette, and they just grafted his face onto it because <laughs> oh it... no i think this this is this is probably like him standing on a fan you know like they've got the yeah fan thing going on or they starched it <laughs> that would be really funny um yeah that would be really funny uh yeah i don't know i don't know um, but i like but, i like uh, thorn's anyway, okay. sword and thorn looks fantastic it looks awesome yeah yeah, no, Thorne looks good. I, I, I think he's, you know, again, the thing that I find most interesting about Thorne and which I still, you know, I just think about this more every time I see a picture of Richard Armitage in here is how they're going to do, how they're going to do his character. I mean, that is such a young Thorne. Um, mm -hmm. It is, uh, that, that's just, it's one of the biggest things for me to try to get my head around is what that means for his character. If they're going to, you know, maybe they'll just ignore. I, I know I keep talking about this. Probably I'm probably the only one interested in this, but um, but I, you know, it might be that they'll just pass over it silently and they'll not make a big deal of it, and everybody will still treat Thorn the same way, and yeah. Thorn will kind of act the same way as he does in the books. But it just this making him, you know, making him like 150 years younger than he was, it really it really um, changes things potentially, um, and puts yeah. him in an entirely different psychological place. Um, well, just the one be... thing that you definitely lose, if he's in fact younger, maybe he just looks younger or something, I don't know, I, I imagine they're just going to gloss it. Um, but the thing you certainly lose is the the sort of long hard life that he you know that he's lived. Mm -hmm. What what he what he yes. what they can maintain is this sort of belief that he has a destiny to reclaim his kingdom and remembering the wrongs that have been done to his family. But what he d wouldn't have is this like years and years of toil, living in obscurity, uh, you know, and working hard out in the West and and having almost nothing to show for it. Yes, exactly, and then. You know, there's this there's this edge to Thorne, especially near the end of the story. It's it's one of the things that really kind of pushes him over the edge um, near the end, is that he he's you know you know there's there's the story that Gandalf tells about um, or, or when they're talking about Thror and how Thror went was you know was old and 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 cracked and how he like waltzes into Moria and claims it. You know, and Thorin is almost there. Like he's not quite there, but he's almost there. I mean, you know, he has been brooding over the ill fortunes of his house and over his kingdom, which is unclaimed, and his treasure, which is stolen. 
um, for decades and decades and decades until now when he is old and he's but he's like still just vigorous enough to be able to go and do something about it but he's really old and cranky and has this like semi-delusional desire to go back and that's why you can see him getting semi-delusional as soon as he gets back to his kingdom and you know and he his his idea you know whenever anybody tries to introduce some actual you know, reality into the situation. Um, you know, like when Roach, the raven, who is, who sounds like five times wiser than Thorin, um, uh, is telling him things like, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to live without the friendship of the people around you. Um, you know, you can't actually afford just to, like, declare war on the, all the, you know, the humans and elves that live in this whole region. Um, Thorin will not even listen to him won't even won't even hear it because it's like he has this you know i am now king under the mountain i have now achieved uh you know i have i have regained my kingdom i have been restored to my treasure um and now like you know i'm not going to stand for anything else anymore i got this he's he's like a little bit crazy i mean he's and and that's but that it's, it's the kind of crazy that he seems to have gotten from his long life of misfortune and of 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 hardship and of brooding on you know his losses that can't happen that just does not fit with this character that does not fit with what we see uh in in you know a richard armitage with streaks of gray in his hair um so it will be um because if they make him go a little bit crazy like that it's going to be a total different kind of crazy. It's going to feel completely different. Um, so, so anyway, I just yeah. I it's am, not uh, going to be the old bitter guy. It's going to be more the young, young sort of impetuous guy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I mean, like the the like like the. Th- like the Thorin Oaken shield who, you know, cuts down the wooden club at the Battle of Azanulbazar. I mean, like, yeah, like that Thorin. Um, or the fine adventurous lad who, uh, you know, who, who used to go, uh, you know, adventuring around and, 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 and traveling around. You know, that's, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, Art points out that they glossed over Aragorn's age and experience too. Yes, some. I mean, they, they still did... Uh, make him sort of obviously weather-beaten. They didn't make him look physically old because, of course, he doesn't in the books either. Like, he's not gray-haired in the books. Um, but he, um, but, you know, they, they, they emphasize that, especially, of course, in that um, in that somewhat dorky scene in the extended edition where Eowyn discovers that he's, like, 90 years old. Um, and, uh, but again, that's because, that's because he's, he's a Numenorean, and that's, and that's right. Um, but we're talking two hundred. Thorin is two hundred, uh, and and white bearded, um, and that's I think a, that's that's I think a, a big difference. Now, Carl, I agree. Thorin wasn't really heroic in the book until his deathbed. Seat. Well, I mean, I would also say like his charge out of the gates during the Battle of Five Armies, pretty awesome. Um, and basically, that's sort of the beginning of that deathbed scene. I mean, the deathbed scene is the culmination of the change that has already clearly happened um, when he is charging out of the gates, I would say. Um, but I agree. He is not... He only has, like, one good moment um, before that. Like, the, 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 the other moment that I'm thinking about, Thorin's at a good moment, is when he is... Um, when the dragon is coming to attack the side of the mountain, um, where they all are, and they realize that uh, that uh, Bifer and Balfour—no, it's 
Boffer and Bomber, I forget, Bomber and one of the other guys uh, are down the mountain still, and they're all going to die. Um, and Thorin actually leaps into, 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 into motion and shows some real leadership and, is, and tells Feely and Kiwi and Balin and Bilbo to get into the tunnel for the dragon will not have all of us. And, you know, the, and he's going to go lead the rescue of the rest of them. You know, he actually sort of mans up in that moment and, and shows good leadership and self-sacrifice and everything. But that's like the only moment like that prior to uh, the Battle of Five Armies. But anyway... We're sort of now moving into not only a digression uh, with like a, a like little mini Thorin episode here, but uh, going way far into uh, movie two territory. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's uh, let's transition back to this week's main topic, which is the riddles game that's been long promised. Yes. Yes. Um, uh. Yes, yes. Um, oh wait, hang, okay, okay. Can I make one more Thorin? Just one more short Thorin comment, because oh, Robert has fine. pointed Go out ahead. that, yeah, yeah, that yeah, Thorin yeah. also does come off pretty well when he fights the trolls and, like, you know, is like beating off three trolls with a stick, uh, to you know, and like has that kind of cool speech where he's like, "Who's been knocking my people about?" Uh, okay, I agree. Thorin looks pretty cool in that scene. I'm willing to give you that. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, he's still just waving around a pointy stick, and he doesn't really accomplish very much. But nevertheless, I agree. That's another moment of a similar kind of leadership. But anyway, now, I'm done. I'm totally done. Let's talk about the real game. <laughs> See, just to show I am done, I'm going to stop sharing so nobody will be looking at the picture of Thorin anymore and I shan't be tempted. So, okay, I've yeah, minimized thank it. you. Let's go. Thank you. Remove <laughs> the temptation. So, so in my opinion... In my in my sort of limited knowledge of things, the main open question for the riddles, uh, the riddles game, in terms of how is it going to end up in the film, is is how much of it's going to end up in the film. But I'm wondering if you have any other sort of there's any other nuances that are worth exploring. Like, uh, it, does the very are there does the riddle game vary between editions of the Hobbit at all, or is it pretty much um, the same? It's it's pretty consistent. Um, yeah, Tolkien. Those were a, the, you know they were a big feature. Um, mm-hmm. They were a big feature not only um, from Tolkien's perspective that he really enjoyed them and really enjoyed writing them, and it's one of the reasons why he he liked reading that chapter aloud, um, uh, both to his family and elsewhere. This way, there there exists a full length recording of him reading Chapter Five of Hobbit. Um, in the Tolkien audio collection, if you ever, uh, if you ever see that being sold, um, it's probably on YouTube also. But anyway, um, so no, he always really loved those, and uh, those were always a major feature. I was also noticing, I was looking through uh, Douglas Anderson's annotated Hobbit again this morning, and um, I came across a um, a critic's review uh, comment on The Hobbit, which was published, uh, this review I think was published in 1938, which actually said, um, you know, uh, ask the, like, you know, make your children try to guess the riddles first. And and it was was just effusive about the riddles. And it's like, you know, the book is worth the cost just for the riddles alone. Um, So it was clearly more than just Tolkien really loved these riddles. They were were a major feature, both for Tolkien and for many readers. Um, So so no, they were there uh, from the beginning, um, and Tolkien Tolkien wrote the riddles. He made them up. Um, he 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 did this kind of mischievous thing, where he um, 
basically challenged um, in a letter, um, challenged people to try to guess where the riddles came from, um, what the sources of the riddles were. And uh, there have been a number of people who have just have not been able to resist such a challenge and have been trying to find the exact sources and things. He he composed the 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 wording of most of them. They certainly are based on some kinds of riddles which are which were sort of pretty popular modes. Even like I think the one which is probably most strange to modern readers, which is the the legs riddle, you know, the uh um, no legs sat on one leg, two legs sat nearby on three legs, four legs got some riddle. Um, and that just, yes. that, the whole like, but what that is and how that works. I mean, I think that, you know, most people nowadays, if you just said that to them and said, okay, what's the answer to the riddle? They're like, how's that a riddle? I don't even understand what the heck you're talking about. And it's just a strange mode um, uh, to, uh, to, to, to us. But that was a, that was a pretty common riddle mode actually. Um, it was i mean it's 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 an old style um you know there were a bunch of medieval riddles of that kind um so so yeah which were basically like that where they would take where they, where they would take like the legs like that and uh and and you know describe the scene and you had to figure out what the scene was that was being described um so again he's not he's not uh completely inventing these things also things like the uh um there are some other riddles that are kind of like the uh, one of the other fairly idiosyncratic riddles, like the uh, voiceless it cries, wingless flutters, toothless bites, and mouthless mutters um, riddle. Um, that is, again, like to define something by absence and through paradox and try to figure out what it is. Um, but uh, but I, I have to admit that I myself have never been extremely curious about uh, the sources like this. And what's more, I have always found the explanation of these kinds of sources to the riddles not very helpful or not very illuminating. Um, I mean, it's kind of interesting to know that people told lots of other different kinds of riddles like some of these kinds of riddles are, but um, that... uh, that never really, I, I, I never really felt that that enriched my reading of the story or my reading of the riddles very much. Um, but, uh, um, but basically, just to, 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 to sort of sum up what we have there is Tolkien making up his own riddles in modes that were familiar, you know, him sort of, so him, him adapting uh, riddle modes, but, but, but telling his own. He wasn't just copying he wasn't just copying them, um, even though certainly some of the some of the the questions and answers are things which are similar, like the you know thirty white horses on a red hill. First they champ, then they stamp, then they stand still. That's um, that's again a sort of a familiar kind of riddle, but he but it's in different words. You know he's he's made up a new verse for that riddle, and there are some which he has invented very very thoroughly. Um, so it's so. He, Here's the thing when it here's the big here's one issue when it comes to the film. One issue is one of the things that makes this an attraction in the book is that it's a fun but time consuming game. Um, yes, if you read chapter five of The Hobbit to your children and you pause after every riddle and you know, let the children guess what the answer to the riddle might be or try to help them work it out. 
it's going to take you about an hour and a half to read <laughs> chapter five of The Hobbit. Um, there are nine riddles, and um, and it's going to take a while just to read them, for one thing, and it's going to take a while to, to certainly to work them out. So if you take the riddles and you add in the time for the hemming and hawing, remember there are several occasions on which one or the other of them, Gollum or Bilbo, takes an unusually long time to try to think of an answer. Um, If they're going to try to represent that on film, Tolkien can say that in one sentence or two sentences. Right, um, that uh, that Gollum had been scratching his head for a very long time until Bilbo became impatient. Um, in order f- to represent on film, Gollum spluttering like a tea kettle uh, boiling over and um, and making uh, you know and 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 Bilbo finally getting impatient. That's going to take some time, in fact. So to do the riddle sequence as it's described in the book, both as the riddles are given in the book and as the exchange is described with there being several gaps while Gollum is stumped and Bilbo is stumped um, is going to be a lo- would be a long sequence. I would almost say an impossibly long sequence. There's a 0% chance they're going to spend 20 solid minutes on the riddle game. I mean, no matter how much they love it, I, I, in a film, that can't happen, can it? I don't think so. Uh, it's it's way too much time. Yeah, yeah. I can I can imagine I can imagine the possibility of them filming all of the riddles and then cutting half of them out and including them in special features. But it's really hard to to imagine. Like the only way you could do all of the riddles in the film is if you do it sort of like ping pong style, like ask answer ask answer ask answer. Right. Or, 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 or maybe you do a couple riddles and then you just do a montage of them answering riddles back and forth, almost kind of the way they do it in the animated film. But right. uh, yeah, I, there's no way they can include them all in. It'll be way too long. And 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 I think a the the general movie going public expecting the epic Lord of the Rings action film version of The Hobbit. I think their patience for and in, uh, willingness to indulge in a Tolkien-like um, uh, enjoyment of riddles is probably going to be minimal. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I, I think that is only too likely uh, to be accurate. Um, and as, 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 but see, this is, I think, one of the places where perhaps this tension, um, that is the tension between the expectations of the different portions of the film going audience is going to be at, at at its most intense because of course the riddle game is going to be one of the very favorite parts of the people who love the hobbit book um but but as you say it's going to be the thing which is going to be most unlike the lord of the rings films for those who are just uh you know fans of the film trilogy uh coming to this as a sequel um or prequel, or however they're going to decide to call it, but um, but anyway, they uh, yeah. So I mean, that's going to be uh, because so basically, it's going to be hard for him to succeed with this one way or the other. I mean, he's going to end up either making this, you know, what will probably feel very long and very slow scene in the in the middle of the film, um, to the you know to those who are who are who are focused on the action film um, or he's going to have to cut it out and break the hearts of all of the Hobbit book lovers who are coming to it hoping for for the riddle sequence so um, I, I think that's going to be really challenging but again it's really 
I can't – it's hard for me to see them doing it exactly as they do it in the book. I mean, maybe they could do it more efficiently than I'm thinking, and maybe it wouldn't take 20 minutes, but even 10 would be long, long time in a film. Um, maybe they could cut it, you know, that is, may, or, uh, that is maybe they could cut in other scenes. Um, so, the, like, they ask one and you get – like you get a riddle asked and and head being scratched, and then you cut to another scene, like you know Gandalf and the dwarves doing something like escaping from goblins um because they would be making their way out of the tunnels while this is going on um so maybe we get maybe we like intersperse it with some Gandalf and dwarf and goblin action sequences or something you know and then like come back in the meantime Gollum has been scratching his head this whole time and comes up with an answer maybe they can do it that way to make it work it seems like a more it seems like a more efficient way to jam a bunch of riddles in but it certainly would kind of disrupt the flow of the scene cuz you know part of the part of the dynamic of the scene is like Every time Bilbo gets asked a riddle, or is or is required to puzzle one that that he thinks Gollum won't guess, he's got, he has this like just this growing anxiety, like oh god, if I don't get it right, I'm going to get eaten. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, there's some, there is there is there is real drama to that, um, which relies on a kind of building tension, as you say, which is which would certainly be interrupted by cutscenes in the middle, and. At the same time, also, it's a crucial moment for sort of the psychological development of Bilbo's character. I mean, this is a big turning point for Bilbo. Um, and not to mention the fact that it's, of course, also the Gollum spotlight moment. I mean, you know, we were talking last week, or not last week, but last episode, um, in our Gollum episode, that, you know, one of the things that seems to be an issue here is that they're going to, you know, Gollum was such a fixture, was such a successful character um, in the Lord of the Rings films that, you know, it's it's hard to see them shunting Andy Serkis into, a, you know, a, a tiny little bit role. And so certainly not this of all places where, you know, we're we're going to be able to get, you know, this sort of like maximum focus on, um, you know, Andy Serkis doing a, you know, like an emotionally and psychologically complex golem. I, I can't imagine they're going to distract from it in that way. So yeah, so so that's that's one that's one issue for the for the film depiction of the riddles is simply the time. Um, mm-hmm. Now here's the other thing that I would say, um, and this this is one thing you know one thing that I've talked uh, that I've talked about a lot in my uh, in my Hobbit lecture series about the riddle game and that I and in my book as well. Um, that is the patterns in the riddles. If you really look at the riddles themselves carefully and what they seem to show and to suggest about the character of Gollum and Bilbo. And I would hope that they would be sort of careful about this. I think there are several different things that they could do there. One is um, not to really think about that very much. Because, of course, let me back up one step. Because, of course, one big question, which we haven't raised, is are they going to include Tolkien's riddles? Um, or are they going to introduce different riddles? Are they gonna Are they gonna actually make up some of their own riddles or alter Tolkien's riddles very significantly, um, so that the original wording is lost? Um, and because, of course, 
you know, if if they do that, even if they just cut them down, they would make a they would make a a, a very big change. I think sort of a a very big thematic change in what's going on in the in the actual riddles themselves. Um, it, what we can see, I think, happening in the book, is we can see a, a, a kind of almost a kind of character study. I mean, what those two characters think of when they are sitting there in the dark trying to think of a riddle which is going to stump the other person, both of them are kind of talking about themselves. I mean, you know, both of them think of, at the very least, um, you know, if you don't want to get quite so, you know, uh, so psychiatric as that, um, it's at the very least them speaking about their own familiar worlds and what they know and what, um, you know, the kinds of things that come to them are the things that are sort of familiar and comforting to them um, in that moment. And we see Gollum talking about darkness and emptiness and mountains um, and, uh, and, you know, the fish that he eats. And um, though, again, even that is not described in happy and cheerful tones, um, but in horrible and gas like, you know, zombie fish modes. Um, and Bilbo is talking about eating and he's, you know, picturing in the legs riddle this, you know, charming domestic scene. And he's, you know, he's thinking about eggs, which again, I think is clearly he's thinking about scrambling them or frying them. Um, and he's thinking about, um, you know, sun on the daisies uh, and all this kind of thing. And I, you know, I think that, the, you know, when, when you look at those riddles carefully, as I've argued before, I think that we can see a lot about, you know, who these two characters are and what they value. Um, and I... You know, again, it's it's going to depend a lot upon how much weight they're going to place upon this scene in the movie, and I hope that they make this a really important scene for Bilbo. That they make this more than just, you know, like another quasi-action sequence on Bilbo's progression. You know, I hope that they take this opportunity to make the whole Misty Mountains sequence and you know the whole Gollum, like the whole Gollum encounter in general and the riddle game in particular as the kind of moment of truth for Bilbo and kind of decision point that it is in the book because um, there's so much that they can do with that there's so much that Tolkien does do with that and even if they were to change the riddles or to introduce things like I could I could understand that but um, it would be a little sad but I can understand it um and they, but but it would be, um, but I still hope that at least they're thoughtful and they don't just go for jokes or something, which I could see. I mean, I could see them making the riddles funny, basically. Um, and uh, I think if if the riddles become comic relief, that would be sad. I think that would be a loss. But yeah, that's an interesting <clears throat> point. I hadn't even considered that possibility because when you think of this this scene in the book. You think of the encounter with Gollum as one in the, as identical with the Riddle game because that's that is that's what it is. But it's entirely it's not that hard to imagine an on-screen Lord of the Rings action sequence inspired Peter Jackson version of the Gollum encounter that totally de-emphasizes the actual game and makes it like some kind of physical contest where Bilbo has to fight off Gollum. Um, I hadn't even thought about that possibility. I wonder. I, I don't think they'll do that. I, I I think they will give this scene ample time. 
I, I think they will because I think they really want to maximize Gollum's on-screen time without having to yeah. change the story too much. But that's an interesting point. Like, how will they spend that time? Will they actually spend it doing the riddles and and, and yeah. really and really focusing on sort of this? You know, that the, as you said, that what the real game really comes down to is is it's it's not just you know them. It's not just a battle of wits, but it's really investigating these characters and and how they experience the. The fear, the loneliness, the anxiety, the frustration of not knowing the answers, that kind of stuff. Um, and it, it, and I can see the temptation for a filmmaker here to say, like, like reading through this chapter, I know what my, uh, my fiancé Teresa would say reading through this chapter, look at all of this internal monologuing. You know what I mean? There's right. just every, – after every, after every um, asked riddle, we get a description of what the riddle asker was thinking – you know, like right. uh, with the with the fish riddle, Gollum's thinking like, well, this is way too easy. I mean, I'm always thinking of this all the time. And then we're like, right. but uh, but Bilbo, <laughs> he doesn't even go near water if he can help it. So it's actually a lot harder for him. And that's all stuff that you just can't do on screen. Um, yes, yes. We get so many cues like that. I mean, you think about the number of things other than the actual voicing of the riddles themselves – Almost mm-hmm. all of the cues that we get, almost all of the narrative there is exactly, as you say, describing internal stuff, um, what, what they were thinking, why they were having trouble with this. There's, there are very few external filmable things, like the fish um, jumping up uh, 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 on Gollum's, you know, from Gollum's and hitting, hitting Bilbo on the foot. It's like one of the only external filmable things that happens during the course of that, um, of that exchange. So... You know, it's yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be really challenging. Um, mm-hmm. Even to 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 try to make it clear what is interesting about the riddles, why they're um, why they're choosing those riddles, why they're struggling with ones and not others. Um, yeah, that is gonna be that is gonna be hard. Um, and you do wonder: Are they going to de-emphasize the riddles themselves and just play up instead the conversation between Bilbo and Gollum? And try to sort of displace a lot of the um, the stuff that's going on during the riddles and the internal monologues surrounding the riddle uh, asking and answering. Right? Um, are they going to are they going to be are they going to displace that into conversation back and forth between Gollum and uh, and Bilbo? Because um, that does seem to me possible or even probable that they would do. Uh, that. I'm I'm I think that man I don't know. I, I think there will be a lot of pressure from the, the studio side and from the main sort of the filmmaking apparatus side to 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 maybe reduce the riddling and to, to make it to, to alter this sequence. I I trust, you know, despite despite multitudinous changes to the Lord of the Rings that I thought were awful, I still trust that uh, Philip Jackson and Fran and Philip Aboyan and them, I, I trust that they they will want to try and do the riddle, not just the scene and the characters, but the riddles themselves justice here. Even if we only get, like, two riddles, I think they'll try to give us two entire riddles with with ample sort of characters puzzling over them and straining over them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's hard for me to see them cutting the riddles entirely. I mean, as you say, even if we get fewer of them, that's going to happen. What is less obvious to me, knowing... Uh, Peter Jackson, Fran Welsh, and Philip Boyens and crew is whether or not if we get riddles, they're going to be Tolkien's riddles. Um, I mean, I, I think it's a very real possibility, and I know it uh, it 
makes people, you know, Ben has, was just saying, uh, you know, here, uh, here in our live group that uh, if they change the actual riddles, I may have to walk out. I know a lot of Tolkien people would feel that way. You know, a lot of Tolkien fans would, you know, if they hear, if they take the riddles and just do something else. But remember, they did that with the songs in The Lord of the Rings. That's what makes me nervous about that. Um, The way that even when they have, when they take songs, which when they do songs which are which are modeled on Tolkien songs in moments in in the story which are kind of similar, they still changed them, um, and I could see them doing that. Um, with that's the pos- that's true. Fun. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, it seems it seems like a ridiculous notion. If you have like the main reason I would imagine them changing the riddles is if there was a riddle they wanted to use that was too long, much like Tolkien himself did uh, with the with the egg riddle, I think. Uh, is a shortened mm-hmm. version of a nursery rhyme. Um, I think that uh, I think I could imagine them shortening things, but I'm I opened up a uh, opened up my copy of The Hobbit, and these are all really short riddles. It's like hard to imagine them actually trying to shorten them more. And and if you have these lying around, why would you want to to do different riddles? Well, but I, you're right. They you, did change songs. I would songs. have said the same thing about the songs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's the songs that make me think that. And and I could imagine them wanting to. Please, you know, it, it barely needs be said that uh, that I don't feel this way and wouldn't myself agree. But I could also very easily see them wanting to update them basically, to, to sort of modernize some of the language, because some of them are, well, a little bit, a little bit hard. Um, um, yeah, you know, the, uh, the time riddle, this thing all things devours, birds, beasts, trees, flowers, gnaws iron, bites steel, grinds hard stones to meal, slays king, ruins town, and beats high mountain down. They might do that. But I could easily see them trying to update that. I, I could see them doing what is essential, you know, saying basically the same thing, but making some changes to it. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm not saying I support it, but I could. Or um, the I one, the I one. I, if they use that oh. one, I would expect them to change it. it. The wording is just seems so odd. Yes, it is. Like, that's one of those ones. Um, the first time I read it, I was just like, well, that's gibberish. Yeah, an eye and a blue face on eye and a green face, yeah. Um, yeah. That eye is like to this eye, said the first eye, but in low place, not in high place. Yeah, I, I mean, seriously, can, I can imagine, like, I mean, I can just imagine Martin Freeman saying that. I mean, I think he's a good enough actor, I could see him pulling it off. But it's, I, yeah, I mean, I, the, the legs riddle... The eye riddle and the eye riddle. I mean, as I've said before, I mean that's like the most Tolkienian riddle in the in the whole thing. Um, you know, that's that's the most pure. It's based on a linguistic pun, uh, you know, a philological pun. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I certainly think that those two would be kind of quick for the axe if they were going to cut them down. Um, Katie was hoping also that we'll get the riddles. Uh, we'll get all the riddles in the extended edition. Um, but um, the, the the one that has the full hour and a half riddles in the dark scene. <laughs> right, right. Yes, I think that's possible. I think that's possible. Hey, so out of um, curiosity, do you think, on that note, do you think it's possible 
that they filmed all the riddles just to have them so that they could go back and see which one works best on screen and timing-wise and then maybe edit them? Or do you think they pick them beforehand? Well, I suspect that they have their plan beforehand, you know, that they have in the script which ones they're going to do and which ones they're not. But Dang. can I see them going through and doing – absolutely, I can see – because again, I like to imagine like, them filming all the riddles. Yeah, it's 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 more Andy Circus, right? I mean, it's like it, that's, right. that's uh, you know, even if you just have that as like an Easter egg or something, I can see it. I mean, I I I could totally see Peter Jackson doing it. I don't know if they will, but I could totally imagine them doing it. Um, because yeah, I mean, that's that's the interesting thing here is the, you know, this is such a strange moment, which is under so many different kinds of, 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 of tension, I think, that is Plus, um... the tension of expectations um, of, of, of people. Because again, and as you said, like somebody, um, you know, when you were talking about, about what your fiance Teresa would say, somebody with no connection to Tolkien at all, who just approached this book as a filmmaker, if you just handed this book to a filmmaker who knew nothing about it and said, make this into a movie, um, they would, I, I think it, Obviously, right? They would take this scene and be like, well, this has got to be a tenth as long as that. <laughs> Two minutes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Can, can we do this in 30 seconds? Excellent. Um, I mean, surely, surely. And I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, as I've said many times, I don't know anything about filmmaking, so maybe, uh, maybe I'm incorrect about that. But I've got to think that that would be the reaction. So... Um, so, but obviously, but just as obviously, Peter Jack Peter Jackson's not in that situation. He's not totally ignorant, and he knows that there's going to be this expectation. He knows the pressure that's going to be on that. And in addition, you have that other factor that that both uh, both Carl and Art were just pointing to, um, which is that this is this is also like an Andy Circus moment, you know. And and Gollum is proven popular. They're going to be interested in expanding his sequence, and we're going to get, you know, Carl was saying, I, you know, I predict a lot of of of, of uh, uh, you know Andy Circus's voice acting here. Absolutely. I mean, I think that this 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 is very likely to be. You know, sort of the moment. I mean, I'm sure Andy Serkis would identify this as the moment where he's like, "Okay, this is the this is this is my this is my Oscar clip." You know, this is my yep. uh, this is this is my this is my moment to uh, to you know pull out all the stops and so absolutely. So you've got that that external pressure on this scene also. Yeah, um, I think if they really so, if they really engage on the scene and really this could end up being like one of the best and most memorable scenes of the film and of any film in 2012. Like this could be just an amazing scene with the acting, the creepy yep. atmosphere, the menace of Gollum and Bilbo's fear. Like this could be a fantastic scene if they actually try. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I agree. I agree. And and I think, you know, what's more, I think that Martin Freeman could do it really well, too. I mean, yeah. I have to say, uh, one other thing that I uh, did for the first time during my vacation was actually watch the BBC Sherlock with Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. um, to which I say, holy cow, that is incredible. That show yeah. is amazing. It is, isn't it? It is it is amazing. That is one of the best written shows I have ever seen in my life. The, the script of that show is unbelievable. It's the most intelligent writing on a TV show I have seen since Firefly. It is unbelievable. Yep. It, it really is. And, and it, like, 
the let's translate Sherlock Holmes into the modern day thing seems like such a kind of a glib idea. And I'm and I shudder to think what the CBS version is going to be like. I'm sure it's going to be awful. But I think this one was perfect, like the, taking the idea that Sherlock would hate talking on the phone and would prefer yep. prefer texting, texting infinitely over it. You're like, yep, perfect. That's perfect. exactly right. Perfect. Watson as blogger, perfect. It, yep. it, 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 it works seamlessly. It is fantastic. Um, the, the way, even the way they translated particular moments from the Sherlock Holmes story, like when Sherlock uh, reads the clues in Watson's pocket watch and deduces the stuff about his uh, his brother with a drinking problem and stuff, and instead instead it has him reading his cell phone casing uh, and everything. I perfect, perfect. It, it's so well done. Um, but anyway, the other thing, the thing which is actually relevant to this conversation about that. <laughs> is that it is also uh, finally having gotten a chance to watch that which I did on the plane by the way home from <laughs> from, from England um finally having gotten a chance to watch it I was um I was I was really impressed by Freeman. I mean, I thought he was he was really. I'd never actually seen him in anything before, um, mm-hmm. so I had nothing to go on other than basically the trailer and the pictures of Bilbo that I've seen. I was I was I was impressed with the acting of both of them, especially Cumberpatch, but uh, but of Freeman as well. Um, I mean, I thought. Cumberpatch does an amazing uh, Sherlock Holmes, and I was like, I can't wait to see him as Smaug. That's going to be great. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, he's certainly uh, Freeman. I th- I thought did a did a great job. Now I'm a, not a great judge of actors, um, but uh, but I I I was pretty impressed with his Watson. So I so again I I could see. Um, you know, having now at least a tiny bit of uh, context for uh, for what Freeman is capable of, I could see Freeman and Circus really making a a moment out of this if they do that right. Yep. Yeah, I don't. Okay. Boy, it's it, it's. I'm really curious to see how the scene comes out now. Like, I was yep. interested before, but we've in, we've come up with uh, dug up a bunch of very interesting, nuanced uh, possibilities. Yeah, well now, especially since one last thing that I'll throw in there. Um, and again, and I'm thinking of that still shot of Gollum with the puppy dog eyes that we were looking at before. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're going to do puppy dog eye Gollum in that scene, then I wonder if... Well, okay. Let me just say that if they do change the text of the riddles, I will be very interested to see the direction in which they change the text. That is, it wouldn't shock me at all to see them cut some of the riddles, which are harder for a modern audience to understand, or certainly is going to leave a film audience scratching their heads. Um, And I would not be surprised to see them... um, I, I would not be surprised to see them modernize... want to modern... excuse me, to modernize the language or phrasing. But... Are they going to thematically alter things? Are we going to see, is Puppy Dog Gollum going to come through in any of the riddles? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he's coming up with, like, you know, because the, they could do that. You know, they have him, um, they have him remembering happy things. You know, remembering the sun on the daisies um, when he's answering Bilbo's riddle, which, of course, is the one I just said they're probably going to cut. But anyway, um, we have him having happy memories uh, answering Bilbo's riddle. Now, in the book, he responds by, you know, he, he responds to that kind of thing by asking something hard and horrible, right? Um, but, you know, are, if they are going to introduce entirely new riddles, are they going to be thinking of those riddles in conjunction with the character? Are they going to, is there going to be a hint of puppy dog eyes in any of Gollum's riddles? I will be interested to see that. That's an interesting question. 
Yes, yes. I, I, I um, would venture – I think if they do that, they'll do it in terms of him like uh, – um, like if they do the table riddle, which we've agreed is unlikely, but if they were to do the table riddle – uh, they would do him remembering back to the good old days with his grandmother and family and stuff. Right. That, right. And that's one possibility where I could imagine them adding new riddles in, if the adding in riddles that are more directly tied to Gollum's experiences or Bilbo's Bilbo's memories of the Shire. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know th- that of course would be another way to do it. Um, you know, was, uh, some of the some of uh, some of our listeners here with us were um, agreeing about the difficulties. Um, we're having that thing where several people. Uh, Jeremy was just suggesting right before I said it that uh, they could maybe cut to other scenes to suggest time passing without having to make the whole audience sit through and watch them think for <laughs> like thirty, forty-five seconds of thinking. Um, but. Uh, um, but of course, Katie, at the same point that I again, right before I was saying it, was saying that it would be a little bit odd and and probably detract from Gollum if they did that. They could do cutscenes, right? That is flashbacks, cutscenes, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and we you know we talked about that possibility when we were discussing Gollum. You know, if we get any like flashback to happier days and you know a happy-go-lucky Andy Circus with curly hair and a waistcoat, um, you know, skipping through the flowers with Deagle and what you know. What I mean, you can see that, right? Um, uh, and and certainly, again, that one still of Puppy Dog Eye Gollum suggests to me that that's possible. I don't know if they would go that far. I I don't know if, but but it is a thing. You know, one thing that they could do, at least if they're not going to shorten the scene to vary it enough that it uh, that it kind of keeps people. But um, um, but I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I think that's uh, um, that's you know Brandon was just suggesting that they might uh, they might do the, the thing with, with with flashbacks though he's suggesting perhaps not uh, Smeargle and Deagle tripping through the flowers uh, uh, in Westgates but um, I, I do um, I do hope and I certainly believe that uh, by the way let's see I think it's Robert points out that the egg riddle does in fact remind Gollum of his grandmother so yes yes exactly I mean that those the, those moments are definitely there I mean Gandalf or Gandalf Gollum does have a flashback in, mm-hmm. in in the book I mean he has a flashback to teaching his grandmother to suck eggs I hope they don't show that on film but um, and uh, that's not nearly as uh, as uh, bucolic <laughs> endearing <as it> might <laughs> be <laughs> yes that's true on screen that, that might be so. <laughs> no, like this. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> but so, uh, but I, personally, yeah, yeah. I, I personally, actually, you know, and I'll, I'll bring this in when we let's let's move on to the question. I can bring it up then. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So yeah. This... So let's go ahead and we've been basically essentially listing our options. Um, you know, yes. our our. Uh, we have uh, today. We're doing another one of those. Our question is actually relevant to what we've been talking about through the whole time. Yep. Shockingly, um, which is, <laughs> shocking. We don't always do that, but this time we did. And so that's just basically. So what do we think? How are they going to handle the the little sequence in the film? And the options that we came up with is option A is the purest way. They're gonna. Uh, they're gonna. They, they will. You know. To 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 uh, say it as the narrator does in the Council of Elrond. They will not omit a single riddle. Um, 
so you know they're just gonna they're just gonna do the whole thing. You know whether they and I would say by the way, if there are cutscenes or flashbacks or anything like that that would not invalidate this. The question is, will all of Tol- will one hundred percent of Tolkien's riddles? If one hundred percent of of the text of Tolkien's riddles is there, no question. That is like a solid A. Yeah, <laughs> answer if to this. If it's if it if it happens to be like ninety percent, then we might round up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean exactly. If they if they do all of them but one, yeah, I, I would I would give them the benefit of the doubt. Because yeah. option B is they're going to do Tolkien's riddles, but they're just going to cut a bunch. You know, yeah, they're, they're only seriously do pare it down. That would be like, let's see, how many riddles are there total? One, two, nine. three, yeah. four, five, six, yeah, nine. So that would be like that would be like four or fewer, right? <laughs> Maybe right, five exactly. or fewer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I. I, if there are seven, even six, I would be tempted to go with a. But yes. but yeah, so we're talking about like serious compression to shorten the sequence. Um, that would be option B. Option but any, C. Any riddle included is verbatim. Yes, any riddle included is verbatim. Option C is they're going to monkey with the riddles. You know, they're going to actually alter the text, either introduce brand new riddles, uh, which are not there at all, or uh, largely rewrite riddles that 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 are there. Um, and this, I would, I would say, you know, I, I again, I'd be willing to do a little bit of rounding up. Like if all they do is change a tiny little bit of phrasing in one place or the other, I'd still be willing to kind of squint at that, I guess. But uh, but I mean, if there's any real substantive change to the riddles, or certainly what if, if uh, any non-canonical they, riddles, suppose they have three or four riddles, and they all happen to be inspired by Tolkien's original riddles. They have the same answers, but they rephrase right. them. Yeah, I, no, that's I, C. I'd say that's C. Okay. Yeah, that's C. That's, that's C. That's Again, un- un- unless they unless they keep like most of the same words, but change. I mean, just change yeah, like a, it, it would, a word or two. Right, exactly. I, you know, I, but but still, I mean, really, if they're substantively changed, uh, yeah. I would, I would, I would say. So, I mean, you know, might be a certain amount of judgment call here, but I wouldn't think so. I would think that if they're going to change anything, it'll be a big change. I don't think yep. the changes. If I, I, I would expect them to be quite large changes or no changes. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then. Uh, option D is again our, as usual, our kind of none of the above option, um, and we're th- is that basically they're going to end up paring down this scene a lot. You know, yeah, we don't, get we don't like get a... we hardly get any riddles at all, Tolkien right. originals or changed ones or any or otherwise. This is the right. this is the non-Tolkien fan filmmaker pe- uh, people win the battle of screen time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. This is the solely soulless Hollywood victory. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which I actually think I looking at these, I think A and D are fairly unlikely. I think so. I think so. Um, um, yep. Yeah, I think so, I think that. Either one, one of those is pretty. I, I, and I, frankly, I think D under under all of the circumstances, I, I would consider D the unlikeliest of the lot. You think it's more likely we'll get all of the riddles? I guess what we what what is entirely possible is we might get a ping pong match race through right. them of of right. the riddles and um. What well, do we want to call? Finding a way to kind of build tension going through. But yes, I I, I would think a rapid shot. A would be more likely than a um, yeah. brief montage D. So I have I have two scenarios I want to propose, uh, and I know which where one of them gets classified. The other one I'm not sure, so I wanted to get your thoughts. But I think one possibility 
if they wanted to not have too many riddles, but they wanted to have the riddle element and, and still get some of the psychology of the scene, is have a scene that's mostly Bilbo and Gollum interacting informally, and then have one riddle uh, at the end for each of them. Gollum asks one, Bilbo answers, Bilbo asks one, Gollum doesn't answer. So basically we get the, the ring in the pocket riddle and one other Gollum riddle. I think that I could imagine so happening. So Bilbo never comes up with even one legit riddle? Yeah, yeah. I think that would be disappointing, but I could see them doing yeah, that. Would that would be like total loser Bilbo. Like, yes. Can't um, even come up with one riddle. I think another another possibility is that we will get a solid three or four riddles. Um, actually, you know, if they did four... The big thing I'm trying to... I'm concerned about here is the portrayal of time passing... Yes, but I think four riddles. You could drag four riddles out to like fifteen minutes if you had oh, the introduction and the end. I think you could have a full twenty minutes of Bilbo and Gollum on screen with with twelve, ten to twelve minutes of riddling with four riddles. But I was going to say, what, is, what yeah. if they did? What if they did three or four riddles in their entirety and then included a montage of fragments of riddles to convey time passing? So they do, Gollum does a riddle, Bilbo does a riddle, then we get back and forth bits and pieces of a montage of uh, riddles, and then we get to the last two riddles in their entirety. Maybe. I don't know. I still, I think, I, well, I, maybe it's because I don't like the montage idea. I don't like the montage idea. Um, but I don't I, uh, Toki in the animated all of it. Yeah, because it doesn't, it totally fails to, to, um, I mean, it really just kills the suspense of the scene, the tension of the scene. Um, and I think it would be... You, I think you could accomplish the sense of time passing in essentially a protracted way. Because in a movie, somebody sitting there and thinking for like 10 seconds will feel long. I mean, it doesn't actually have to be a whole lot of time passing to feel like a lot of time is passing. I mean, just think about that. Just imagine somebody... Uh, in a movie, being silent for like 30 seconds, thinking. I would feel really long, wouldn't it, when you're sitting yes. there? I mean, com- compared to the, the normal pace of films, because of course that's another way that they can do it, is by contrast with the scenes around it, um, to make that scene seem like time is passing very slowly. Um, so I actually think that it, they could do that. Now again, if they were to try to do that with the you know, the full mine, I mean, that would end up being really long. But, um, but no, I, th- th- that's why I don't think the montage thing is, is, is going to happen because I, 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 I would have to think that if you t- even if you took your totally, not, your totally Tolkien ignorant um, filmmaker and told them, like, I'm sorry, like, I've got a gun, you've got to include the riddle sequence, how would you do it? You know, even if they were thinking, well, that sequence is really long and a nightmare to do because it's all internal monologue, at the very least, they would be able to perceive the fact that there is a lot of tension in this scene and that it's very suspenseful and could be, um, you know, could build a lot of anxiety, you know, of like very pleasurable anxiety in the audience. Um, So obviously that aspect of it has got to be something that that they would go for, I think. And that would just be killed by the montage. So. Um, yep. So that's why I, I really don't think I am I am I am strongly anti D. That is that is my that is that is one conviction. And 
I would love to see A, but I don't think it's going to happen. So, basically, for me, it's between B and E. Yep. And I am sorry to say, I'm going to have No, C. don't do it. I'm going to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it is pure cynicism that makes me vote C. It is pure cynicism. Um, because I just, I, I'm remembering comments that Philippa Boyens makes in the commentary tracks and things on the Lord of the Rings films and how much she loves writing verse and everything and, like, loves writing songs. And it's, like, I just... It's very hard for me to see them resisting the opportunity to do it. Plus, especially if they're wanting to push Gollum's character in a way which is a little different from how it's done in the book, if they want to make him more puppy dog in the movie than there than he is in the book. Um, I could see them wanting to go in some different directions with his riddles. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm gonna I, I'm going to regretfully uh, and grudgingly uh, vote for C. And again, as usual, I am trying I am trying to play this game to win and not to please myself. <laughs> I am I am not trying to describe the movie that I would make but the movie that I think is ac- we are actually going to see. Uh, and in the interest of that, I'm voting C. All right. Well, I'm going with B. Okay. I think, they'll, I think they'll just, I think they'll just take the, they'll just, I, I'm, I'm reading, actually we have a great comment from Brianna. She says, as a student of filmmaking for a scene like this, you'd want to maintain as much of the original mood and intent of the scene. So you'd look at the meaning behind the riddles and character first and play all the sub- subtext under the actual lines of the riddle. So you'd write the riddles. I'm, hoping what she means is writing them the way uh, uh, that they're written, but that you would really think seriously about the execution of the riddles to emphasize the undertones. All the internal action would be emphasized by certain acting choices and facial performance and musical cues. Some of the riddles might be tailored to better show the internal stuff, and some riddles would be cut, but these would be riddles that would show character mood the least. So. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. I'm optimistic. I think it's not that hard to do this scene with leaving the riddles the way they are and just um, uh, doing a very good job of, of adding some scaffolding around them. Um, I totally agree. I totally of course, agree. Of course, the fascinating question here is uh, assuming that they use the riddles as I- as written or or they use the same riddles and just rewrite them a little bit, that they don't just invent new riddles, which riddles do you think they would pick? are most likely to pick. Which riddles do I think are most likely to make it into the film version? Do you think do you think some people have suggested the fish one is guaranteed oh, yeah. because Gollum oh, sings yeah. it in the other film? Yep. Yep. Um and not only does he sing it, he alludes to Bilbo guessing it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he guessed it, Baggins guessed it. If I remember, that line is kept in the movie. Yep. Um so, um, so yeah, no, I agree with that. The fish riddle is the biggest. In, in fact, it barely even counts, I think, for that reason, because there is so much positive evidence. In fact, um, it would be to the, to the degree of an actual consistency problem um, if, uh, if it were not in there. So, yeah, yeah, no, the fish riddle, definitely, um, of Bilbo's riddles. Because mm-hmm. you see, it's interesting. Most of the ones that uh, that that people have been sort of voting to cut, or to think would be the most likely to be cut, are Bilbo's riddles, the legs riddle, uh, the Daisy riddle. Um, yep. Those are those are those are both Bilbo's. Um, I think the egg one. 
is, I would put, in the likeliest to be in the film. So if I'm thinking of Bilbo's riddles, I think the egg riddle um, is possibly the most likely to get in. Um, and I especially like that, and I would think that the filmmakers would pick up on it, too. Um, the fact that that one is also thematically connected to the whole movie, that is Golden Treasure, the Golden mm-hmm. Treasure inside his head reference. So you've got the whole connection to the dragon the dragon gold that's waiting at the end of the of their journey. So I, you know, I would think that um, uh, the egg riddle would be the likeliest of Bilbo's. To me, obviously, the "What have I got in my pocket?" thing has, has yeah. yeah, that one's guaranteed. hard to imagine them not doing that. Um, but uh, um, but of Gollum's other riddles, if they give time, you know, a second one, the time one, yeah, because of the because of the the solution, right? The accidental yep. solution. Though again, even that, you know, thinking back, Dave, to the comment that you made before about how much of the action is internal. Yep. The explanation, you know, if all we get is Bilbo saying time, time, um, the, the whole explanation of how what he meant to say, but what he actually said was, and he was saved by pure luck. That, that's all. That's all. You know, the narrator intruding. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, that is, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they probably could do that. Um, the mountain riddle. See, Gollum's riddles, I think, in general, are are sort of slightly likelier to translate better um, to the film than Bilbo's. The teeth riddle, uh, that is Bilbo's teeth riddle, the 30 white horses um, mm-hmm. riddle, is, I think, I would call that the second likeliest, second to the egg riddle. Yeah. Um, so, hey, uh, really quickly, I want to, for everybody who's listening and in the GoToMeeting interface, uh, if you have an, if if you type your answer in as a question, uh, just so we can get a quick, we're not going to make a poll, maybe next time we'll try the poll, but uh, just type your answer, just one letter, A, B, C, or D, in as a question, so we can get a quick, brief rundown of what people are predicting. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Near unanimity. <laughs> Okay. Hey, Tim is very boldly going with A. It's our Mark like Fisher that. fan. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. And Katie agrees with me. Okay. But almost everybody else agrees with uh, with Dave. We've got, well, one, two, three, four, five, six Bs. Um, yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, okay. That's hilarious. Okay. Um, so yes, we can we can we can register these. I mean, hopefully yeah. someday our goal is to have a an official poll up on the site. We're, we'll get that up there one of these days. But in the meantime, yep. this is kind of this is sort of a fun way to just to see who's been a part of the conversation, what they're thinking. Uh, interesting, very interesting. Cool. Well, any concluding comments or other thoughts you want to add? Um, no, no, I think that's, I mean, again, other than that, as, as has several times before been the case, uh, I certainly hope that you guys are right and I'm wrong in this particular prediction. I don't know. Um, Teresa, Teresa the other day was, was, uh, bemoaning what the experience of watching this film with me was going to be like, uh, (laughs) thinking that I'd be complaining mercilessly about changes here and there. And I told her, no, no, no. 
this podcast has been very cathartic. I'm fully prepared yes. for for changes. I, I not only do I expect them, I think that they must be made. However, exactly what. What she will have to endure is me sitting there with a long checklist of predictions going through and <laughs> right. say, score sheet. Got that one. Got that one. Oh, shoot. That's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, did, no, no, it's uh, true. I mean, it, 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 we're going to be absolutely insufferable, actually, to watch this film with. Um, yeah, yeah. Were you that way to begin? Yeah. Like, does your, does, does, does your wife just dread having to sit through these films with you? Oh, yeah. Well, it's um, – it's, uh, um yeah 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 no that's um that I, she didn't she wouldn't even go see not the first time I went to see them she wouldn't even go see the the Lord of the Rings films with me in the theaters when I saw them the first time cuz she knew I was just going to be absolutely intolerable to sit next to one way or the other um, that's hilarious that is whether I liked it or whether I didn't like it I was going to be intolerable to sit next to. <laughs> so, um, because it's just like the way I, you know, I, this will probably not come as a surprise to anybody, but of course, like when I'm excited about something and thinking about something, whether I'm positively or negatively excited, I, I like, I can't help but talk about it. Like I, you know, so I, I was absolutely incapable of shutting up. Um, that is of remaining <laughs> shut up for more than like five to 10 minutes on end. Um, and, uh, so no, I, I, I saw it with a very tolerant friend. Um, but, um, uh, but but yeah yeah it's 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 going to be. Um, I'm really kind of hoping like you know sometimes people have asked me like oh like you know do you think you will be invited to like some like big premiere or something and like I kind of like it, that would be fun but gosh that would be embarrassing like it it would be really hard to watch the, like I really would kind of rather go to a small theater on my own where nobody knows who I am or you know and or like maybe I'll get kicked out or something I don't know but um it would be uh it's it's yeah watching these uh, films the first time is going to be otherwise be there'll be some guy sitting there with his phone open tweeting every time you make a comment or Right. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to like, completely gag myself. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll see the film several times, I'm sure, so that I can, uh, you know, like bring a score sheet the second or third time and uh, uh, and all that. But um, uh, and you know, people people you know, there was another question that somebody asked me. I said, you know, are, are you going to do a, uh, you know, like a, a, a like a, a spontaneous commentary during the film. Like, could could you could you record that? It's like, well, you know, like, look, I'm going to be insufferable enough without actually like trying to record something in a movie theater. Um, but uh, I, but uh, but yeah. So we'll we'll see. But anyway, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited about it. I'm yep. doing. Um, I'm doing yeah, and of course, as Brandon has uh, just uh, tactfully pointed out as well, I will also having to be bring like bring like an air sickness bag uh, if I'm watching it in 3D because uh, I get violently motion sick. That would probably be another reason why my wife would be weary to see this film with me in 3D. Right, and people wouldn't um, want a recording of you doing commentary for it. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, though it's possible. <laughs> right. Exactly. Though it's possible, it's possible that actually uh, talking continually would keep me from uh, getting nauseated. But I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. Yep. <laughs> we will see. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, we should yeah. wrap it up and get off the air because I think uh, uh, there's another podcast going on Middle Earth Network Radio in about five minutes. But um, oh, absolutely. So, uh, uh, we hope people enjoyed this nice long extended episode. This is a, this is I think we set another record. Um, actually, maybe not. No, We've done a two hour really, one before. We had, a, we had a we had a we had a bunch of other stuff. We wanted to go through the Entertainment Weekly pictures and stuff. That's so right. We had lots so, of stuff to talk about this. But week. it's still a, this is a good and your your fans never complain about too long episodes or too much 
too much content. That's true. So. I haven't received so. complaints because you can always just push stop. You know, you can. You, yep. That is in your power. You so. can pause it and start it up later. So. Um, so anyway, we really want to thank everybody who who was listening and joined us live. Jeremy, Carl, Brandon, Joanne, Jason, Tim, Katie, Robert, Ben. I know Brianna was here at one point, even though she didn't vote. Trish. Um, uh, we had a ton of people. It was great. Really, yeah. really fun. Um, so we want to keep that going. Having the live audience is great. Uh, go over to MythGuard.org. Uh, you can find all of our past episodes there. We, we want you to go and, and make comments there and on the face, Tolkien Professor Facebook page and on uh, Twitter. Tweet If you use Twitter, tweet at uh, TolkienProf and at Dave Kale. Use the pound riddles in the dark hashtag. Um, and uh, just keep the comments coming. We love to hear your feedback. And we're, we're, we're excited to let you know that there will be new Riddles in the Dark Digest episodes coming next week. Uh, Trish and yes. I are going to sit down this weekend and record hopefully two or three of them just straight through. So we'll have those ready very soon. Those should be a lot of fun. Um, and you'll get to hear. We will reveal. T- Trish has a column on the grid now, but it's empty because we agreed we wouldn't reveal her predictions until we recorded the episode. So suspense. Okay. Yes. So. Very good. Very good. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for uh, joining me, Corey. We're glad you made it back safely. Hope everyone had happy holidays. And uh, why don't you take us away, Corey? Okay. Very good. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. We want to give a special thank you to John DiBartolo and the Lonely Mountain Band for allowing us to include their music in our podcasts. You can learn more about these songs, download samples, and buy their albums at minstrelsongs.com. If you are interested in getting involved in Riddles in the Dark or other Mythgard and Tolkien Professor productions, send an email to kale, K-A-L-E, at mythgard.org. 